0: Oh, That's not a good sign if I'm uh, 11th without even answering tough questions.
1: (laughs) It's alright, it takes a while to get into the groove.
0: (laughs) He says after just cruising to the
1: (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Changing Minds Through Gaming, a series where we talk about mental health and play video games. This episode I've got Paul Carter with me from Flotation Toy Warning, it's a bit of a mouthful They're a band, it's kind of hard to describe what genre they are. Alternative would be my best way of putting it, but yeah, you should go and check them out. I had a nice chat with Paul, he's a lovely guy. He's the lead singer of the band. We got a bit philosophical at times, (laughs) we went quite deep. But um, yeah, it was a good chat, and the thing I like the most about the series is being able to hear different people's perspectives on life. I think everybody's got their own story, and it's really interesting hearing them talk about it. Hello to everyone listening on Podbean on Tapes Official podbean account i hope you enjoy listening to our conversation it's a very good one if you're interested in supporting me on youtube i'd really appreciate that as well you get to watch the gameplay in the background at the same time and watch those on camera but of course if you enjoy listening to it as a podcast feel free to continue i really appreciate the support i've been getting on the series so far thank you very much for listening and i shall see you again soon very soon in fact because the the podcast is about to start and thank you very much for your time first because gotcha. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, how would you define mental health? Because it's kind of like a <laughs> really like a school type question because I remember we used to have workshops in school and they used to ask us that. But um, yeah, how would you define it?
0: God, that, that does feel like a big question
1: to answer. <laughs> um, Try for it as, like, as basic as you can. Uh,
0: I don't know, it's a very hard thing to define because um, you can never know what it's like to be anyone other than yourself, can you? Mm. So, I guess it would have to be something that was a, a very broad definition. Um, I guess it must be something to do with your ability to function. Um, within your personal life and within the world, uh, or how you do that. Um, As in, if you are having mental health issues, then your ability to function within the world and within your own personal life would be hitting some problems, I guess. And good mental health would be uh, the opposite of that, of functioning well and... um, So I'm distracted, I was first (laughs) there for a moment, Do you see that? (laughs) Only for a moment. Um, Yeah, the opposite of that would... I've lost my train of thought now, so it is quite difficult to drive a car (laughs) and uh, talk about these things at the same time. Yes, yeah, so I, I think I be find, might, might find it easier to define good mental health or bad, yeah. m- bad mental health, if you want. Bad's probably not the right word, problematic mental health yeah. and mental health issues. Because
1: um. Um, in school they used to tell us, um, oops, sorry, that was you, isn't it? It's alright. All fair um, They used to say that mental health itself is like how healthy your mind is or how healthy your well-being is. And a lot of people kind of get confused with how, um, if the difference between actual like good and bad mental health and your actual mental health is like, um, I can't explain it myself. No, but, um.
0: So is that more b- of a biological thing than your actual yeah, mental health? Is, is your how well your brain is functioning, how, you, how well you are functioning as a human being? Yeah. Biologically rather yeah. than... Um, it's,
1: it's almost like with physical health, it's like, I guess that's a biological thing as well, isn't it? And mental health is the same kind of thing as that. And I don't think some people maybe see that so much. They just, they don't see that your mind is something you need to look after, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I guess it's hard to separate the mind from the body anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, I hadn't thought about that in, uh, in that sense. I, mean, I think, I mean, so I think you're saying that it's, it's almost, um, So mental health in, in reference to not necessarily something to do with your personality or who you are, but just how how well, in terms of being a human brain, your brain's functioning and coping what's th- with what's presented to it. Yeah. Aside of any particular foibles you might have based on your life experience and your personality. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I guess I, I didn't differentiate between the two. Did in my definition, I was sort uh, of intertwining the two. So what did do did they, did they expand on that more at, when they gave that definition at school?
1: Um, not too. I mean, I think they did. I can't remember properly, but um, it's just I think they're just mainly trying to get that idea across because um, if somebody mentions mental health to maybe a young person, they might immediately think that um straight to the bad side of it, rather than the good side of it. I see what you mean, yeah. So if somebody mentions mental health in like, like a normal so conversation... So like you
0: wouldn't say physical health and immediately think yeah. there's a problem? Yeah, you immediately think, think, you've think you've broken your leg or something. It's, that's, it's about the body rather than... Yeah. So you say it's about the mind rather than about... Okay.
1: I think it is, it's interesting, though, like... Um, how different people see mental health in different ways. So, there's different ways of looking at it almost and different people come up with their own, like, ideas around it.
0: Are you, are you getting to some very big questions here? <laughs> 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 is, 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 is just from a philosophical point of view as well as yeah. a, a scientific point of view or, or you just t- talking anecdotally um, about people that, that have been in your life, what they've said? or um,
1: I guess a little bit of people in my life and a little bit philosophically as well. It's uh-huh. a nice one too. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> I went from eleventh to second. That's I'm yeah. most going. improved player. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you have examples you're thinking of? W- presumably, when you say that, or are you just saying in general, it's something that's very perceived very differently by different people and different schools of thought.
1: I think I'm giving you a gift.
0: Okay, that's why I can't yeah.
1: do. <laughs> Don't think I had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me or me. <laughs> I guess it's just it struck me so far like talking to different people about mental health and they all have different ideas around it and um, maybe my way of thinking about it is different to other people's and your way of thinking about it is different to mine and everybody else's. I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's. I, I, I mean, uh, I've heard the saying we have more in common. Someone clever and f- famous once said that we have more in common than we have as differences as people, but um, equally, um, especially when you step outside of your own little bubble of people in your own little world, it's uh, sometimes surprising to see how differently other people might perceive the world compared to your own mm. version. And it's easy to presume people see the world the same way when they don't necessarily. Um, But I I mean, I guess mental health issues can mean, in itself, just as a term, can mean so many different things. Mm.
1: How often do you reckon people in your life have conversations around mental health in general? Um,
0: Well, it's probably on the agenda more than I imagine it is with some people because Most of my friends, my closest friends, uh, are people I met through being a support worker, uh, predominantly with learning disabilities, but in general as a support worker, so not surprisingly they are sort of, oh, yeah, doing so well Then they crash into that sign, <laughs> uh, are people who are perhaps more... I don't know, more, maybe more aware or, or more willing to talk about feelings and emotions and how they're doing. Um, and also probably in the, you know in a, in a good relationship and, and we, I guess, are able to talk about those things. Um, and, you know, my day job, Working for a learning disability rights charity again, it's it's about understanding people is 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 the sort of the crux of the job. Yeah. So I guess those things are something that is part of the sort of the vocabulary or the currency of what we what we do and what we're interested in. Mm. Um, That said, and I'm not sure I'm that good at always talking about my own mental health issues when they crop up mm. with people that I know. Uh, it's probably not. A, it might be a thing that's true of other people who are sort of, in a very broad sense, working in the field of mental health. In, as in, it's something on their radar. and something they're aware of. Yeah. And doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be good at seeking support when they need it, mm. or recognising that they're in a place where they're perhaps not in good mental health Yeah. for, for whatever reason.
1: I guess it's the difference between um, reflecting on your own mental health and looking at other people's illness.
0: Yeah, and maybe about allowing yourself to, uh, I think indulge is the wrong word because it suggests it's wrong, maybe if it's an indulgence, but allowing, allowing yourself the space to um, consider your own mental health or value it. Often the sort of person who works in care. Often the sort of person who goes, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, but how are you feeling? Yeah. And that's part of the default setting for it in in, yeah. in a way. So perhaps it almost lends towards being slightly neglectful of your own mental well-being, mm. or, or not feeling that it's of n- enough worth. I think I think that's a, a, a I think that is a big issue. It you know, has been an issue for me. Uh, how unwell have you got to get before you feel it's yeah. okay to suggest that other people should use their time and their energy on you or your mental health? Yeah. And I think, as an older person now, I thought that you know perhaps the challenges, ha- the same challenges, haven't presented themselves as an older person. But certainly, as a young person, I, I don't think there was a point. I think I, I. You know, I had a, a, I don't know what you call it, a breakdown of sorts at university mm. um, and I wasn't able to recognise that I was unwell and I wasn't, not even remotely able to entertain the idea that someone else be bothered with offering me some assistance or or, or, or wasting somebody's time as I perceived mm. it on that. Because there's always somebody that's worse off than you or yeah. has bigger life challenges. So I got to the point where I was, um, I stopped functioning. Um, somebody else sent me for help, rather than me recognising that I needed help. Mm. So I think that's an issue for a lot of people. It's part of part of the situation that perhaps gets people to a point where they need help is that they can't um, self-regulate in that way because they will, they will always feel that they're undeserving of support or somebody else's time, maybe.
1: Mm. Yeah. and I've definitely felt that way before as well. With, um, I guess I've had a couple of, I don't know if breakdowns is the right word, but um, Yeah, I don't know what the correct
0: word is, it sounds like a very old fashioned word. Yeah.
1: Um, I guess it kind of works though, but um, yeah, a couple of times where I've kind of needed the help, but maybe not admitted it as well as I should have and thought other people were more deserving of help from me. And, yeah, it's it's difficult to kind of um, say that you want to go to counselling ahead of other people because it's long waiting lists and that kind of thing. So you're putting yourself ahead of other people almost in a way.
0: Yeah, and I think it it can also, it's a wrong way of thinking, but it can also seem very self-indulgence mm. to, to go to somewhere and have someone focus on you. Yeah. You talk about yourself for a long period of time. But I'd like to point out, I just won. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <And> thank you. So I won see you again. But that maybe that's part of the problem that uh, gets people to that space sometimes. I mean, I'm sure there's many other way, ways in which people can have mental health issues that manifest themselves in many, many different ways. It's such a broad, which like saying, like you were saying earlier, so if you say physical health, well that can be so many different things. Mental health, I guess it's, a, it's such a broad spectrum in itself. But um, I, I wonder whether it's something that gets those people to a point of being in trouble, that an inability to say, actually, I do need help and I am worth someone giving their time to help.
1: Yeah. Um, what do you think about the idea that um, mental health is kind of a thing that's discussed more between close friends and the close acquaintances and you know, the people who you're close to in life and do you reckon that that kind of makes everybody really uncertain about other people's mental health and say if somebody has a difficulty with mental health um, they might be more worried about it because people don't open up about that kind of thing often. Um, so do you think it's a thing that happens and you think it could be changed if it does happen? Do you reckon it's good to be more open with more people?
0: Um, yes, I guess it must be a cultural thing that it's all part of the sort of Don't be a baby stiff up a lip sort of thing that people don't um, talk about it as much as they ought to. Um, you know, if you've got a sore leg or something, or problem, I don't know, problem with your bowels or something, or you know, if there's a, if there's a physical medical problem, people seem very at ease with. Um, just because it's like a list of facts. i tell you this has happened and that's a problem and it's difficult and so on. Um, probably in a way that they wouldn't. I think it's part of the human condition that even if you know, I well, see how, again, I, I don't know how you define these things because I sometimes wonder about how well do other people know people that they know well? Uh, what defines being a friend? Uh, do I know my friends w- as well or less well than other people know their friends? Do, do I engage in friendship to a level that other people do, or yeah. am I very, I suspect I'm quite self-contained in terms of I don't uh, open up and share in the same way as some people do, but. I don't really know cuz I can only ever be me but whatever wherever you are on that spectrum of how what you share with friends and help each other even if you even the people you know best out of the people you know in the world you can only know them so much cuz human beings are so yeah. multifaceted and complex and the games as we play to sort of weave the fabric that enables us to be around each other in social and work and everyday situations is so, so complex. And that, that you can know somebody for a very long time, uh, and I think it's quite conceivable, you can n- know someone for 20, 30 years and spend a lot of time with them in, in sometimes challenging situations and so on and so forth, but still only really, have a sense of them them, which is really just a snapshot or a photograph rather than a sense of anything deeper than that. Uh, So even with really good friends I think it's quite possible that you wouldn't necessarily know what's going on how their mental health is at a given time. Uh, And I suppose it's also a fact that life is, being a human being is a a big ask Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a tough thing so dealing with your own mental health and whatever life throws at you, whatever challenges and if you have Others that you care for, whether that be children or family members that need care or, or help or support, dealing with all those things, uh, and also being able to be there for friends if they are going through a difficult time with their mental health, it's it's a lot to contend with, isn't it? So, when um, yes, I do think it's a good thing if you can, as friends, be able to look out for each other's mental health, but. Um, I'm also aware there's situations where something more than that is needed. I had a situation a couple of years ago with someone who I didn't really know that well, but was part of an extended family, and they were really not doing well. But... uh, I think I always naively, I always imagined that if they were in such a situation, that I would be able to offer them some sort of support or help. But um, as a caveat, I was at the time this happened. I was quite ill myself at the same time with a physical condition, which didn't help either. But um, the reality of it was, I couldn't really offer them anything at all. partly because I didn't have the resource within me to offer it because I was ill, but also because I, I sort of realised that, that the way they worked and the way they saw the world was completely different from how I saw it. And uh, there was no way that I could fathom to make a connection. That's partly an age difference thing, but it's also partly a mindset thing, I suppose. Mm. And, and also that I didn't know really know that person as a well person. So how could I then make sense of them as a person who was quite ill at the time with with poor mental health. Um, And I was also aware that I didn't really know, having realised that I couldn't help, uh, I didn't really know what my course of action should be to put them in touch with somebody who did have the skills to help them, or did have the resources to help them. Um, and also, I mean, this is another. I think this is another issue, is that uh, in this case, and probably in other cases, people don't necessarily know that they, like, I suppose like myself a years ago, people don't necessarily know that they're in need of help. They might be actually quite close to the idea of getting any sort of support. Um, and what do you do then? If, that, if it's a friend or an acquaintance. Uh, and that's a. I guess that's a. It's a failing in education and society in a way, isn't it? Because, of course, everybody knows what to do if, if someone injures themselves physically. They know where to go, who, should, who they should see, what should happen, and all those things. But. Uh, I, certainly, I don't know all of that for, for someone getting treatment for, for mental illness, or, yeah. or is that something that, you, do you think you'd know what to do in that situation if it, if it was um, somebody else that you were acquainted with, or, or friend or family member?
1: I don't think I'd know perfectly, I think oh. it's a, a big thing is that, um, I guess really because because brains are so complex, that there's a lot of things that can go wrong with them. So it's it's kind of, and then different people are different. So they might we want to be treated in different ways if they've got certain problems. And it's it's yeah, it's just difficult to kind of know from person to person what they want.
0: Yeah, I think it also, it also can be that even if you're somebody who's empathetic and sympathetic and has had experience of having to deal with your own mental health issues it doesn't necessarily mean that you are able to offer something to somebody in that situation Um, you know i certainly in the example i was just talking about i I felt completely out my depth Mm. Uh, Which is a little bit scary anyway, because if they, I mean, or, you know, my only thought was that I, I knew that Brindalev, uh is the local mental health hospital, but maybe I could take them there, but that mm. really, on reflection, I, I ought to know and everyone ought to know a pathway of some sort, yeah, where to go first and how to take it beyond that if, if the first point of contact.
1: doesn't resolve
0: anything for the person and, and mm. also um, what course of action to take if that person is is not receptive to the idea of getting help but clearly needs help.
1: Mm. Yeah. I was just going to say as well that um, do you think that whole unknown aspect of it kind of scares people almost? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Maybe that, that counts towards the stigma around mental health because it's quite a scary thing because if um, if something goes wrong with your mental health, it's not always obvious to the people around you, but it's still there, and it's it's quite scary almost.
0: Yes, yes, it's um, it's not as tangible, is it? As mm. uh, yeah. we all know. All the different parts of the body are called, (laughs) and we all know the the main um, names of the ailments that might affect those things. But uh, like you say, someone can appear to be functioning entirely. I can't use the word normally as as they would normally present themselves, but actually be seriously unwell within themselves. Mm. the point where you know you hear stories of people being depressed and then suddenly seeming to be in a much better place, but um, then going and trying to take their own life or something. And it's, it's been because they've re- reached a point of resolve that they realise that they've, set, they've settled on a. Uh, course of action that's going to end whatever bad situation they're in within themselves, whereas what they're actually presenting is actually everything's not so bad now. So it, it, it's it's a very uh, confusing and scary th- thing. So,
1: and I think it also, sorry, do you want to choose a track? Um, I don't really mind. Let's go for that one ones. then.
0: Um, I know, I know there's always that kind there for the grace of God go I think that it's it's I guess people are frightened of it because they don't like to think about their own mental health and how people can what well, well, oneself can become you can become ill and not necessarily know it or become ill in a way that you can't cope with by yourself or, or you might need uh, support from someone else it's uh, and again like I say, it's not something we talk about openly so yeah Yes, I think there's a lot of fear,
1: yeah. I guess as well it's kind of, everybody's aware that it's something that could potentially happen to them Mm. and that's scary as well as knowing that it's it's almost like it's very difficult to control your mental health.
0: Yes, and there's there's not necessarily an easy fix, Mm. yeah, because it's, yeah, because it is, Vastly complex result of life experience, life events, your life situation and relationships at any given time. Um, And you know, I guess there can be obviously physiological reasons as well and all sorts of issues um, and genetic issues that, that, that can be involved in mental health problems. So it's not like you go to a certain place, someone someone does a certain treatment, and then everything's reset to okay again. Mm. I think... I, mean, I imagine it's the same for other people. When you get to a point where you are, your mental health isn't good, then it's almost like you've walked a very long way into that tunnel yeah. before you realise you're in a tunnel. Mm. You can't then just step out again because there's an awful long way to walk back again. Yeah. Um, It's, uh, I because human beings are so complicated, I do, it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's an idea that I've thought a lot about, is that I don't think we are always the same person. I, mean, you know, I think there are different versions of ourselves, So that if you think of yourself on your best form and your most confident mood and happy and uh, sure of yourself, and then you compare that to times where you've been racked by self-doubt and been unhappy. Uh, these things can often be part of a long arc um, and it can connect to things like your physical health as well uh, but it's a multifaceted issue th- how you get to be where you are at any given moment and, um, but if you could introduce yourself on your best form to yourself, in your least able, your, your worst form, if you like, mm. mentally, it might seem like two completely different people. And yet you yeah. are, in essence, the same person. Yeah,
1: yeah that's
0: true. And then, of course, as what version of yourself you present to the different people in different situations and different people in your life uh, can vary massively as well, can't it? I think it's also because we... I think we always want to classify and compartmentalise things as part of how the human brain works that... uh, very easy when you meet people in a, in a superficial way in day-to-day life to want to put people in a particular box or say oh, that's that that, kind, that person's that kind of a person or that person's like this or that person's like that um, and you see it a lot in the press with this want to classify people either as, as, as a good person or a bad person mm. goody or a baddie uh, whereas actually obviously people are very complex Shade of grey, by and large. Yeah. Um, oh, how did I win? I was last until. last <laughs> That's good. Um, so it's it's easy to to simplify. I mean, it'd probably be overwhelming if you took every person you met and tried to understand them on every level that they might exist on. Uh-huh. It would be too much, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would just overwhelm you. So I guess to to get by, we have to sort of do some sort of internal classification of people and. and simplify things to enable us to function on mm. a day-to-day basis yeah. as well.
1: That's true. It's a good way of looking at it, actually. Are you keep keeping count. You lost count already. <laughs> I don't know.
0: You're very competitive. I, I guess because we've been talking, I've lost track. But Well, actually, I've had, and you've had, uh, but I, I, at least two, wasn't
1: it? I reckon that might be a third.
0: Oh, no. Well, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> <like> <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely three. <laughs>
1: Do you think that? Um, there's obviously, um, you write songs, and the people here at Tape are quite creative as well. Do you reckon creative people are more open to talking about that kind of thing? Because maybe they've they're more in tune with their mental health.
0: I don't know. I don't know because uh, you know my inclination would be to say yes, but I just you've got a mental image of. Noel Gallagher, not Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher, and I thought, well I guess he's a f- famous creative person isn't he, but <laughs> I can't, I might be wrong, maybe he's, I'm, I'm, I've categorised him like I was just talking about, maybe he's far more compli- complicated person than he likes to present to the world, but yeah. uh, what I'm trying to say is there are, I think, are people who do creative things that aren't necessarily touchy-feely, if you like, <laughs> in <laughs> an emotional way. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, for me, it, yes, it, it, as in it's... The, the, the music I, I write or involved in writing with other people, or so on, or the words I like to go with that music are definitely about... Um, my mental state. Uh, I was ashamed to see how many occurrences of the word, I, there is in (laughs) in all the lyrics I've written if you look at them. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe broadly it's definitely, um, for people doing creative things it's, it's in some way they're asking a question about either how, how they feel or how other people feel, or how they work, or how other people work. So there's something in that, I think. Why did I just jump from 12th to 1st, then? I don't know. I've, I've, I've wasted it again. I'm down to 3rd already, but... <laughs> <If> you teleport. <laughs> well, it seems so. But I, I, I don't know. See, again... you. Um, I think it's because of this need to categorise... Or what th- that we have hmm. uh I think maybe a broad truth in that because you by doing creative things you're thinking about the universe and your place in it or um, how you're feeling or because you've got to, if you write something or make something presumably it's about something to do with being a human but I think there's a danger. I mean, you know, equally, there are people who are not creative at all who are very good at those.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, or more aware than perhaps the average person is around mental health issues. So um, I think there's a danger of underselling people who don't do creative things. In terms of that, uh, and I've certainly met some creative people who are, although they might be dealing with their feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean they have uh, a great self awareness or a great awareness of what's good for them. Uh, sometimes being creative is involved, uh, it can be connected to a lot of. Self-destructive behaviour, I suppose. Mm. I don't know if that quite answers your question. Uh, I guess broadly, I'm saying, maybe, but it's probably more complicated than that. (laughs) Which I don't know if that's a cop out.
1: (laughs) I think you're right, though. I think um, I guess really you can kind of compare like mental health to physical health again, and we categorise physical health really easily and. You know, like if somebody's broken a bone, you can categorise if it's broken or not very easily, but when it comes to, like, the mental health side of things, you can... There's a lot more of, like, a grey area and a lot more of, like, an in-between where... It comes back to what we were saying earlier again, where maybe you're not quite depressed yet or something, but you're kind of, you're heading that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot harder to kind of understand.
0: Yeah, I guess guess that's something that... um, See, after you told me about all my wins, I'm down to 10th now. (laughs) Um, I guess if you know someone quite well, um, then potentially you might be more likely to pick up on those warning signs that somebody's not in such a good place, whatever they may be and however they manifest themselves. Because again, I guess that's something that would be present very differently. For each in, each person, mm. um, have we done have we done Germany yet? I think yeah. I think you would have to know someone very well, wouldn't you, to to be able to perhaps pick up on subtle differences in someone, how they're presenting themselves to the world, the world and other people. That's uh, a warning sign because it could it can be so many different things. Um, I suppose the obvious things are things like pe- people being more withdrawn, but it can be a lot more subtle than that. It can be down to people just having, you know, if you know someone very well, maybe just even just down to different facial expressions and uh, little tics and um, habits changing and stuff. That mm. and that's, I guess that's an interesting question for for yourself or for oneself. Is I'm trying to think now, if someone knew me really well, what would be the signs yeah. that I was going to a not so good place that they might pick up on? Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure, and again, maybe that'd be different for every person. Yeah. And how depending on how they knew you and what context they knew you. Yeah. And then other people would just be oblivious to all that because they, were, you know, w- even if they were receptive to those sort of things, they wouldn't necessarily know you well enough. Yeah. Or you might not choose to show that side of yourself that would review warning signs to to that particular person, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. When do you think there are other people that would pick up on signs if you uh, were not necessarily about to be ill, but in in territory where you're kind of might need uh, might be more vulnerable, I suppose. Mm.
1: It is hard to say, really, isn't it? Um, I mean I've got friends who've noticed that I've been like a lower mood than usual, and I haven't really got anything to tell them so much. So they must be reading some kind of sign from me. Mm. But yeah, I'm not really sure what that would be. It's
0: another one, though, isn't it? Because quite, I suppose, quite conceivably, it could happen that someone could be picking up on those signs, and you haven't actually picked up on you, on yourself yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, it sounds bec- like somebody knows your brain better than you
0: do. <laughs> yeah, and it's also you're not always as, as aware of yourself as you like to think as to, to where you're at. And, and this is the whole thing of, you know, saying earlier about the idea of almost like it's walking, you've, you've walked quite far into the tunnel before you realise you're not in a good place. Well, um, part of that is. is, is going down a certain, taking a certain in, in healthier path or, or getting to a, a less well place without even noticing isn't it? And that's, that's why quite often walking away from that place to a better place or getting yourself to better mental health takes time quite often. Mm because it, it's taking you time to get to the point where things aren't functioning as healthily as they can do. But again, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thought, isn't it, that um, obviously some people will have far more mental health issues to deal with than others yeah. for various reasons. So um, one person's version of not being in a good place could be another person's actually this is better than usual and you yeah. wouldn't know, would you? Yeah. Uh, not that I think it's a healthy thing to get into being comparative about these things in the sense that I think there's a danger in Yeah, certainly a path I've gone down is being in not a good place, and then there will always be somebody who you can perceive as having more challenges, or having had a more difficult life, or um, more difficult circumstances to deal with. But it's it's actually of no relevance to your situation. In reality, I think either you're functioning and in a good place, or you're not, and you can't do it at A point system of has my I think that's a dangerous if you think well my life hasn't been difficult enough to to merit me having mental health issues it's another way of not taking them yourself seriously enough at a time when you really perhaps need some support from somebody whether that be a friend or professional or so on. Mm. But you'll always find somebody who's had a more difficult life or has a more difficult situation. So you will always be able to disqualify yourself from needing any support, no matter how ill you get, yeah. if you want to. So are you interviewing me, me, or am I allowed to ask you questions? Or is that. Uh
1: you can go ahead and ask me questions. Yeah, yeah, that.
0: okay. Uh, well, you, you have this idea of playing the games and talking at the same time which I think is brilliant uh, it's it's a very cunning way of opening sort of communication pathways because it doesn't I mean I've glanced across and we've made eye contact a few times but that whole social awkwardness that would normally be involved is, is bypassed by the fact we're staring at a screen <laughs> and it, it definitely helps yeah. uh, well it's, it's helping me to, to just chat about stuff without um the usual thing of trying to read the other person's reaction to everything you say, because I can't do that because I'm looking forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the fact that you've had this idea and you're, you're interested in, in talking to people about mental health, uh, what's got you to a point where, well, I suppose, I, this is me, my turn to ask a very broad question It's probably unanswerable. Uh, but I just intrigued as to what's made you interested in all of this to the point where you want to talk to people about it. Um in this context.
1: I guess really just understanding how important my own mental well being is. Because um, i 'cause I've I've had struggles with depression and I've gone through about a couple of times and I'm pretty strongly affected by social anxiety and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's just such a day-to-day thing that it got to a low point where I decided I wanted to do something about it because I can't keep living on you know constantly anxious mm-hmm. and I wanted to make steps to change that And yeah. I guess really just the idea of YouTube videos anyway. anyways so I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I think the people who make YouTube videos and talk about this kind of thing. It's really helpful to hear their ideas around it and understand that it's it's a pretty common thing, like having even if it's just small problems with your mental health and you know, everybody everybody thinks about that kind of thing and has these deep thoughts about mental health and just hearing hearing how they think about life is really It was really useful for me to kind of just, yeah, just feel like I'm not as alone as I felt at some points. So yeah, I really just, I don't know. I don't think there's many people who kind of, not many people really who open up about their mental health and talk about it and there's definitely not many people who do it and can kind of do it in a relaxed way whilst playing video games for example and I don't know, I think that's quite nice in a way and I think it's quite nice to kind of try and spread that message while showing it's something that can be discussed a lot more relaxed and because I guess it really is quite like talking about your mental health problems to somebody for the first time can be quite a daunting thing to do and mm it's comparing it to physical health again, which is my goatee thing. But if you've broken your leg, you wouldn't be worried about telling someone that you've broken your leg. Yeah. And I, th- I think it should be the same for your brain as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's... Um, well, it's the funny, funny thing is I just the whole YouTube thing in a way, all oh, the internet thing in a way, because on one hand you have got lots of people pretending their lives are amazing <laughs> and that they have no problems when actually it's not that simple. So it's good to kn- that there's also other people who are out there and being honest and talking about these things. Uh, it's almost like the antithesis of, of, of a uh, lifestyle influencer, isn't it? <laughs> to actually just go out there and say, well, actually... Uh, I have issues too, because I think it it is a a real, um, well, for me it was a real line to cross that. I had to get to a crisis point before I was helped. and Crossing that line where you, even after it happened, going in a room talking about yourself to somebody else, uh, it feels so unnatural, so weird. Uh, and so self-indulgent and wrong it felt uh, that it was a real you know it was something I had to learn was okay I mean now through having had lots of issues around mental health and and depression throughout my twenties and early thirties I've been to lots of different types of counselling and therapies and stuff down the years because I guess I started to realise that well, the way I looked at it was that I wanted to get the most out of my life, and if these things were stopping me from having all the things I could have or, what my, I don't know, not quite fulfilling my potential, but just existing in the world, and, it, and you know, at times I suppose my mental health was so poor that it was life-threatening. Uh, but but having done those different things, it I'm, I'm doesn't feel a natural sitting, sitting here talking about it, mm. but uh, it's something I've had to learn how to do as part yeah. of the process of trying to get to a point where I can function better in the world. Um, I think it would be quite natural to a lot of people uh, I mean maybe the world's I mean I, you know I'm 49 now so it's you know I'm talking about stuff 20 25 years ago I mean, obviously the world has changed a bit since then but maybe not enough around these things that I don't know how easy a lot of people would find to to just sit and talk about these things because there's a sense of obviously admitting a weakness, mm. somehow. Maybe that's the fear around talking about these things, is that maybe if I talk about these things, people think I'm crazy and they won't want to talk to me anymore. Mm. Um, yeah. So I can see a real benefit in, in YouTube opening up the ability for people to broadcast about anything that they want, and it opens up the possibility of what might have been seen as a niche thing—I mean, obviously, mental health isn't—but th- how a particular person might approach talking about it—it's just there to, for the taking now. You can just go and, like you've had this idea, and you're doing it, and the films are made, and so on and so forth—in in a way that wasn't before. You know, I wonder a lot of the—even if you do about human health, a lot, a lot of the stuff we don't share as human beings mm. uh, and I know not everybody thinks the, the same way but it's often a surprise to find out that other people do, especially around insecurities and fears and that wondering about how other people are perceiving you and so on and so forth Were I, th- I guess I'm thinking about if you ever Listen to someone talking about being in social situations and constantly th- thinking about what the other person's thinking of me, and then you know, I, I even though I think, probably generally speaking, I'm in a place of good mental health most of the time these days. I do wonder whether some of that's to do with being so busy with kids and other things that there isn't time to think myself into bad places, mm. but um. I still do that thing where particularly with people I know actually even with people I do know, I will retrace conversations afterwards and pick them to pieces mm. and ponder how what I've said might have been interpreted or misinterpreted, or what I might have revealed about myself I didn't want to reveal or. On a very really simple level, uh, did that person think I was a wanker because I said <laughs> this, that, or the other, or did I offend that person? And I guess connecting back to the thing about warning signs before, I think I, I guess I do, it wouldn't be apparent to other people, but one of the things I do know when I'm not in a better place is that those dissections of things that have happened will turn into a loop, and I will keep going over the same things and over the same things. But I guess no one else would necessarily know that's going on. Mm-hmm. And presumably other people have these things, no one would know. Um, but, oh, bashing my microphone there. <laughs> um, is, is that some Is that some of the stuff that, that, I mean, I've not sat down and watched, I mean, there must be a teen different YouTube takes on these things, but um, the stuff you've watched, is, is some of that around um, other people just sharing their own... Um, I don't know if the correct word would be, sort of like their own psychoses, their own machinations or the workings of their mind yeah. um, and how you can, how that can be unhealthy or, or make, not quite disabling, but it can, it can hold you back, can't it? Yeah. Is that the sort of thing that, that, amongst many things that they might talk about?
1: think usually it's like, I'm thinking of certain YouTubers but um, it's like you were saying earlier, again, they've gone through a certain period of like stress or something and they've realised that their mental health isn't in the best state anymore. Mm. So they'll talk over what happened and what went wrong and they start trying to under- understand themselves a bit more and how their mind works. So yeah, it does, it does kind of reveal like they're in a psychosis and... Just seeing how everybody's mind works is kind of interesting, way, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah. And um, again, this thing of only seeing snapshots of other people—you um, have no idea what internal narrative people have around any situation. Mm. And uh, and again, this thing of being—I think—being different versions of yourself at different times. Um, That internal narrative sometimes will be a healthy one and then other times will be really not a good thing to... But, but, um, not good narrative within your own head about you know, who you are and where you are in any given situation.
1: Do you reckon there's been like a certain point in your life where uh, maybe for the first time you've realised that you need to take care of your mental health more or any kind of like period of stress or something that you've gone through that really, I guess, woke you up to that side of things. Oh, we in the wrong way. Oh dear. Which way are you going? <laughs> <laughs> not the right way. Got lost. Where does it
0: go? Um yeah but I think you know I think there's a y- uh, is this the right way yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll going to win this one am <laughs> um, I yes but I think I think you can know that and I think you can learn that lesson o- or, or, or have that lesson presented to you over and over and over again but it doesn't mean you necessarily act upon it mm. yeah uh, because we all know, much in the same way as you can say, we all know the, the right things to eat and how much exercise we should do, and that we should all get enough sleep, and we should all, all these things that we should do, we don't necessarily do them. Um You know, if you ask everybody what are the right foods to eat, they all know that, don't they? I don't mm. think people eat the wrong things because they don't know what the right things are to eat. It's, it's more complicated than that. Just in the same way as you can know exactly what's good for your mental health, but it doesn't mean you necessarily do it. Yeah. Um, you know, for for many years I self-medicated with excessive alcohol consumption, Prob- you know, really quite problematically so. but. And all that time, I knew that it was a stupid, well, not stupid, not stupid thing to do. It was a a bad thing for me to do for my own mental health. But it didn't mean that I was able to stop doing it. Mm. So you know, you you can know full well that you should be looking after yourself better uh, in various different ways, Mm. Uh, getting enough sleep. Uh, getting exercise, uh, removing yourself from unhealthy situations and people who, you can, it can be a thing that certain people, not because there's something particularly wrong with them, but possibly to some extent how, how you react to them, are not healthy people for you to be around, and healthy situations for you to be in, um, before you even get onto to um, substance misuse. Um, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily... Uh, don't do those things but for lots of reasons and and I'm not just talking about the substance misuse but also around what the other things I've said like the situations and the people and the things that you know aren't good for yourself Um, it can be a compulsion to to continue with that pattern because that's the pattern you know because I think if you do start looking after yourself better you have to have something other if you're stopping doing this way of doing things you've got to be doing something else instead. And knowing what that is, your version of that, uh, knowing what's not the right thing to do and knowing what the right thing to do or, or being able to do is 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 two very different things. Um, mm. And, you know, um, my drinking is under control mostly now. Um, I think I drink less than the recommended amount. Pretty much all the time, um, but it's it's taken uh, having a family and a responsibility around that to, to be to give me enough motivation to live in that way. Because mm. uh, I think if you do have substance issues, then your default setting is to, to whatever the substance is, is to consume it and consume it aggressively, uncontrollably, um, given the chance, so. um, It's always kind of there in the background, if you like. But you have to have a good, a really good solid reason to stop following those patterns. Mm. I mean, I've, I've got a friend, I think, I can think of who, who was living in a similar way to me, of, of functioning, having a job, and doing all those things, but but drinking far, far too much. Mm. Uh, who hasn't ended up in in, in a good relationship and wi- with lots of reasons to to less self-destructive and they haven't been able to change that behaviour. Um.
1: Do you reckon really you've, you've been able to draw a lot from experiences with that kind of thing though? Because ultimately you know yourself a lot better now than you did back then?
0: Yeah, I suppose so. It's. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because again, you, you only you only know what it's like to be the version of you that you who you are. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. I guess what I'm trying to say is that those lessons that you might be talking about, you know, things learning about looking after yourself better. I think I probably knew them for. A couple yeah. of decades before I started acting upon them, yeah. um, or acting upon them consistently, um, and it's also I think if, if you if you have mental health issues for for a number of years, I think it can erode your resilience. If it takes a huge amount of effort to deal with those things and keep carrying on, I think it can become harder because you've just been through that cycle. If it, if there is a cycle to it, certainly I had a cycle for probably through my twenties and early thirties, a cycle of being, I guess. I don't know what the correct terminology for these things is now, but I guess people call it Bipolar. Uh, But manically high, uh, and thinking, almost a sense of being able to do anything, and then that then goes to a stage where starts to feel a bit uncomfortable because it feels a bit overwhelming mm-hmm. and then it getting to a point where it feels too much and then get to a point where you realize that the next step is you're going to come crashing down and then everything shuts down and then go through that cycle again and again and again and that being exacerbated by it, it kind of goes hand in hand you know when you're in those cycles you don't look after yourself you don't get enough sleep you do quite probably do too much of Whatever substances you get involved in, and and it just makes the loop go out further and further. But the two kind can, can be kind of in, inseparable. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I feel lucky that I've ended up in a situation where I had reasons to to modify my behaviour. Uh, I think it was a close call there. You know, I think there'd be other people who didn't get those things happen to them, but the. And maybe it's about being receptive to them as well, but um that that yeah i might I could conceive you still be living those patterns and, and be further away in some ways from from because i guess the f- the longer you live a certain way or then it becomes, it becomes harder and harder with every passing day to change that to uh, a better way. I wonder whether a lot of people with mental health issues know exactly what it is that they shouldn't be doing or should be doing, but uh, maybe aren't able to do it.
1: Mm. Yeah. I guess that's the thing that's kind of in human nature, that idea of just wanting to be someone or something and not quite being able to one reason or another. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I, um, do you, Do you think that the is there, is the person that you want to be far removed from the person you perceive yourself
1: to be? No, oh, I just fell into the sea. <laughs> I just fell into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think. I've become a lot closer to the person who I wanted to be more recently, just by, I mean most of it was just down to confidence really, and just trying to become more confident and but, I don't know, you kind of have to accept reality a bit as well, don't you, and kind of say, this is more who I am, and just kind of adapt, adapt who you want to be to make it more suitable to you, almost.
0: Yeah I think it's tricky territory, because I think there's a danger of chasing idealised things that don't really exist. Um, Almost
1: becoming a person that you're not really.
0: Well, uh, what I mean is that it took me a long time to realise that pretty much everyone else is scared and worried Mm. about what other people think of them. It's just other people hide it better. Yeah, you know, through, certainly through school, I always used to think that other people must know stuff that I don't know, and that's why they're much more confident. Uh, and I, I, although I've got better, my default setting is to presume things are more complicated than they are, uh, and that other people are more intelligent and understanding things better. But you gradually realise that any given situation lots of people are having the same thoughts and feelings, mm. but very few of them will actually admit to it. So, by being the person who put the hand up and says, I don't understand, or I don't feel very comfortable in this situation, or whatever, if you if you do do that, I've found that very, very people, other people pipe up and say, God, I'm glad you said that. I was mm. feeling exactly the same. But if I hadn't said that in that situation, then I would have walked away from that room thinking everyone else, in whatever situation it was, was, was doing absolutely fine and had no worries about themselves or how they were doing or whatever the task was or, or the situation was. And I'd just go away thinking I was just me that was thinking that way. Um, so I think there's a danger of aspiring to ideals that don't exist by projecting things onto other people that, that maybe they aren't as um, self-assured and as confident. Mm as you think they are. Um, I suspect a lot of people might perceive me as being reasonably confident now, but um, I don't know whether that's true or whether it's, a, I've just, I mean, here's one thing about getting older, you, you give less of a shit what other people think you really do. So you've got that to look forward to, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it's great. but. Um, I think also maybe I'm better at acting than I was. It's, it's often struck me that, you know, as someone who is excruciatingly shy and or still racked by huge amounts of self-doubt in any situation, I think it's the one thing that's held me back more than anything is self-questioning. It gives you gives you things as well. You, you you become more aware than perhaps some other people are by having that questioning. You do things to a higher standard sometimes, but it can completely undo you. But um I um you know, I I am in a band, I'm a lead singer in a band. Uh, we recently did some shows where we played one in Paris to I think it was four hundred and fifty people who come to see us and I did one of the songs a cappella and I just stood there and sung it by myself in front of those people. And at the time I didn't think about it, it was only after I thought, my God, I've come a long way. Mm. But in a way, is it not just the shy person taking the ultimate control step? If, if you were in a room and you were uncomfortable by nature in a room full of people, the ultimate control is to make yourself the focal point of the room and then dictate what's happening in the room. So is it just a coping mechanism? Uh, is that the ultimate coping mechanism? Mm-hmm. that you? I, c- I can't bear being in a room with people I don't know, I feel unworthy and um, like there's something wrong with me, so I will command the room. Then I have control of the situation. <laughs> then it's all right. uh, mode.
1: The elimination one's fine.
0: OK, should we do that one then? Yeah,
1: go for it. OK. Um, do you reckon with like performing on stage and stuff, do you get anxious about doing that at all? Beforehand?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It has taught me the whole thing um, that I can adapt to things. People are very adaptable, I think you realise. Um, and I didn't start doing music till I was about 26, which is much later than most people because I was that shy, and coming from a family background where people didn't do that sort of thing, it seemed inconceivable that I should do something like that. And mm. It was only getting to know people who did do that and realising that they weren't vastly more intelligent and didn't know things that I didn't know and mm. all this sort of thing. And there wasn't this huge gulf between me and them that I'd started to entertain the idea as a possibility. Um, but it was something I was compelled to do. But he, at the same time, absolutely terrified of, and you know, I, I, somehow I couldn't not do it. Couldn't let myself not do it. If that makes sense, I had to. I do have this way of thinking that once I've thought of something, then I have to do. <laughs> I have to kind of. <laughs> I can't let myself off. Not yeah. for everything, but just for certain things. And there was a case with this. So, you know, I used to. If uh, if I had a gig coming up, you know, plenty not many people when we started. out, we did it for quite a while before. Well, so we had to release a record, which took a long time before anyone was remotely interested. Um, but yeah, if I had a gig coming up, I just constantly keep thinking, oh no, I've got a gig, and, oh god, because oh no. I'd be so scared on stage, and. My leg used to shake uncontrollably on stage, and I used to be on stage thinking, "Can people see my leg is shaking?" And I'd be terrified of forgetting what I was supposed to be doing. It was a real ordeal, actually, but I couldn't not do it.
1: Mm. Um, What kind of things did you do to try and try and stop that? Or you
0: just kind of just learn stuff. I wrote over and over and over and over and over again. that was my only way of getting some sort of handle on it, was to just practice and practice and practice and practice.
1: Mm. Um, I guess so that you felt like you knew what you were doing better. Well, there's more chance of me getting
0: it right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's probably quite common for for people going through that process of getting used to that being on stage thing, is that um, if something goes not how it's supposed to, and invariably, something will happen that's not supposed to happen the way it would. And then, of course, I chose to do stuff with lots of samplers and keyboards and technology, which is very unreliable. So again, you know, endlessly, things would go wrong with that that will, would happen that weren't supposed to happen or wouldn't happen that were supposed to happen, <coughs> so on and so forth. So th- it was it was quite a fragile thing in a way for things to go. The likelihood you know, of things going completely right, whereas a few guitar, bass, and drums. You might break a string, but essentially probably things are going to go roughly as you expect um, that you know for for a very long time, the slightest thing would go wrong, and you just this panic would come, and you'd be, "Oh my God, it's going wrong, oh yeah, I can't you know <laughs> which any you know any front you had to to get yourself through or any resolve would just dissipate into the ether in that immediately um. But I think ultimately it's about exposing yourself to that thing you are frightened of again and again yeah. to the point where now, it's only been this last couple of years, we did did some gigs this year but we did gigs a couple of years ago, where all of a sudden being on stage didn't feel like the craziest thing to do in the world. Cause I think it's different for some people who are naturally musicians, or they are very good musicians, it seems like a natural thing for them to do, but I have constant imposter syndrome around it, um, so it feels like a completely weird thing to be doing. Um, so right up until a couple of years ago, having done it for 20 odd years or so, um, no, 15 years, 20, oh on, 26, 36, what it, yeah, oh yeah, 20 years, um, all of a sudden, didn't feel like an absolutely crazy thing to be doing. Uh, this is not a backdrop as well of, of, of having to keep the day job, doing the music thing and then going back to the day job and then doing the music thing, that you never quite get to do it all the time so it never becomes the normal thing that you do. It's kind of on off on, it's like starting a job over and over again. But for the first time a couple of years ago it felt like a natural thing to be doing. It felt like being on stage which is a place where we belong then and also an acceptance that of course things will go wrong even mm-hmm. now after all these years things will go wrong things will happen that aren't expected but all of a sudden having this sense that you know what it's alright if it goes a bit wrong I'll cope it'll be fine and you know even on the, uh, the you know, recently played Paris like I said and some of the best shows we've we've done I think, but there were still technical problems, but I just laughed them off, I made it part of the show I had to say some of the things that were supposed to come off, be triggered by a sample because it, it suddenly didn't work I didn't make a joke about it and it probably added to I, I wonder whether people actually enjoy that, it just made it yeah. a more unusual show and it, it was absolutely a sense that whatever happened I would be alright in mm. this situation you know if the whole gig came to a grinding halt we couldn't carry on for whatever reason it would still be all right so that's what's different and i don't know whether that how much that's to do with experience how much that's to do with getting a bit older how much that's to do with not making things bigger than they are yeah uh, I don't know.
1: I think it's probably a bit of everything, really, isn't it? And mm. I guess that's a big part of confidence is knowing that things will go wrong and how to deal with them afterwards. And yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I think that comes with, in in general, in life, can come with experience. Not that you can't have situations where the unexpected or difficult things crop up in your life, and those abilities desert you temporarily. Or, but but I think. Broadly, perhaps with experience of life in general, maybe because you experience more things and you realise that it's not the end of the world. You know, unless someone's died or is very seriously ill or terminally ill, uh, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in knots about the day-to-day stuff. Um, perhaps to find the fact you've lived through a certain amount of stuff, you start to realise that... And you still probably have to sometimes take yourself aside and give yourself a good talking to and say, mm. well actually, come on, this isn't the end of the world. Uh, that you perhaps you do have a, a, a greater tolerance to, to these things, I don't know. Got mm.
1: oh, one more question then? Yeah. It's a short answer question. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, are you confident that going forward, that the whole stigma around mental health and the kind of general situation around it will improve? Do you reckon society is going in the right direction overall?
0: Yeah, I have to believe that. Um, it's interesting times we live in at the moment, isn't it? Where you even have people in positions of power in the Western world who are actively acting against a society having a better understanding and a tolerance of difference and people being other than how you are. Um, which is worrying, but I have to believe that the human race overall is pushing extrably in a The direction of more awareness. Mm. Um, I worry that if you study history seriously, you might find that there's more peaks and troughs (laughs) rather than Mm. a steady line Mm. in one particular direction. But um, you know, away from what's going on in the popular media and politics and stuff. I, I, I think. I can see certainly healthcare professionals becoming broadly more aware of mental health, uh, and perhaps not all, but some employers becoming more aware of those things. But it's hard to know that. You know, having worked mostly in a, although I've done many different kinds of jobs down the years, I've often worked in a sort of care setting where there has been a lot of understanding around mental health issues and people having depression and having periods of not good mental health and needing time off because of it because that comes hand in hand with the awareness that you want from those people as good support workers. Uh, I don't know, you know, I used to, many years ago, I used to work in offices and stuff Then I changed a lot. But uh, as to how people are with mental health in those settings, I don't know. But I, th- I certainly think within the care setting there's more awareness. Mm. But you can only comment on the, the tiny bit of the world that you have experience of yeah. and you realise sometimes when you step outside of that little space that actually there's a so much more of it than, than you know about, so mm. I don't know. But yeah, I, I have to believe that. Yeah. I guess that's not the same thing as it being true, is it? No. <laughs>
1: But yeah, we can hope and try and believe and hopefully everybody else will too.
0: I think the fact that it's... I think it's, 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 um, it's talked about now. Yep. It's on the agenda, if you like. It's got a long way to go, but it's on the agenda. Mm. And I don't think it was even on the agenda mm. for a long time. It was the great unspoken. Mm. Yeah. When you think back to the days when people would be locked in hospitals miles from home, like it was kept... It's like a di- dirty, terrible secret rather than mm. something that should be addressed and people should be aware of.
1: So it's been targeted now and it's, kind of, it's something we can aim to improve as yes. opposed to something that's been kind of cast aside a bit. Yes,
0: definitely. Definitely. So that's my version of a short answer.
1: <laughs> I can just cut it down and make it short if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Just laughs> can I can just go,
0: yes, like that,
1: and then you can get that in.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, thank you very much for coming on.
0: Well, well thank you, mate. I've really enjoyed it and uh, yeah, I do. hope um, you can edit it down to something <laughs> <it> useful. <laughs>